Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dicer. Please subscribe to PR360 on all of your favorite podcasting hosting sites. Leave a five-star review if you if you please. It would help greatly. But this week, I have Momona with me, and we're going to be talking about email newsletter, blog post, all the, I call them the dinosaur content because they've been around longer than a lot of the newer stuff that's been around. So we're going to be talking about all that stuff. Plus a little bit about her is that she has been doing this or doing content marketing for about two years. She was, she decided to go full freelance. So she's a freelancer in January of 2022. And she's worked with several different other companies, including Mod Dash, Copy AI. And she has worked, she has decided to work full time with Mail Munch. So it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me and for such a nice introduction. You're welcome. The first question I ask all my guests is Are you a coffee or tea drinker? In true South Asian fashion, I'm properly obsessed with tea. So yeah, I, I do like an occasional black coffee, but on most days, um, I just rely on tea to perform basic tasks. Nice. Do you have any type of favorite teas that you like specifically? Oh, so uh, what we call here is like a truck driver's tea. So it's like properly strong uh, and you uh, boil uh, the milk and water with uh, tea leaves. So that's how you make it in South Asia, basically or at least here in Pakistan. Yeah. And then you just let it simmer and make it, you know, uh, depending on how strong you want, you just uh, let it. Yeah. You just, the, the the color and the taste depends on how strong you want. So I like a very strong tea. So I just let it simmer for like 10 minutes at least. Nice. I mean, hey, it's, a, it's, it's not a bad thing at all. I mean, if you love it that way, I just never heard of it. It's called a truck driver tea. Is that, is that what you called it? Yeah. Because normally truck drivers have to like, uh, remain awake during the night travels oh, okay. so they just you know they drink that tea to just you know remain awake all right so strong tea is what i'm hearing yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right i gave a brief introduction to you but can you summarize your expertise to our guests i mean listeners i should say yeah absolutely so i started writing back in uh about six years ago and um during my bachelor's as and i was i just started as a freelance writer and uh, after graduation, I got a job as a writer in a tech company. And from there, I grew um, from a writer to a content marketer. And in my last uh, startup, Real Munch, I was leading content, email, and social media marketing efforts. And then in January of 2022, as you mentioned, I decided to go full-time freelance. And as a freelancer, um, my expertise is in long-form research, uh, long-form and research-backed and product-like content. And I also do email copy, especially welcome series or other, you know, uh, email nurture series. But mostly my focus is on long form content. And so far, I've worked with companies including Copy AI, DirectLink, Modash, and Green. Nice. And getting to our main thing is that long form content or blogs, they feel a little bit more like the dinosaurs of the web because they've been around for so long. So is it still an excellent strategy to create blog posts in 2022 or should we 
as everybody else has been saying for a while, just focus on video. I hear you. And, you know, uh, let me just pull up some real stats, uh, you know, real quick. And uh, according to a recent study by Databox, about 68% of marketers think long form blog posts are more effective now than they were even effective two years ago. So I just think that, you know, and as a long form content writer and basically my entire, uh, you know, um, career depends on long form uh, blogs, I actually agree because I see companies investing in long form blogs and getting huge um, ROI in terms of web, web traffic and signups and brand awareness. So um, w w uh, at one, in, 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 at one hand, I do think that it's an excellent strategy to create blog posts, but I also think that um, writing blog posts for the sake of appeasing to the SEO gods is outdated because a blog that uh, blogs, you know, long form content that work and uh, that is talked about and shared everywhere. Uh, those are the ones that have original research and expert insight input from subject matter expertise and are written with the audience in mind and not the SEO in mind. So I understand where the dinosaur content, uh, you know, uh, comes from, but I still think that when done right, long form blog posts are an excellent strategy to drive traffic, to, uh, you know, increase your brand awareness and to increase signups and conversion rate. Gotcha. And for putting all these blog posts, should businesses focus on maybe like LinkedIn? Should they do all their own website? Like where's the best place to utilize blog posts or even medium to utilize these uh, blog posts? Yeah, I see that debate all the time, you know, on social media as well, that you know whether you should post your content on LinkedIn or Medium and because you the, a lot of uh, companies or it, especially uh, if you have a personal blog, you already have a, a following on these social media platforms. So, but I still think that your website is your property and you own how it looks, you own the user experience and all the content on it. But with platforms like LinkedIn or Medium, you don't know when the next algorithm update is going to disrupt your entire strategy for that platform. So, um, um, yeah, so in my opinion, a, a great workaround is um, to post blogs on your website and then, you know, post excerpts of it on Bing, Medium and LinkedIn. So what you can do is you can just post uh, maybe some of the key uh, tips or key ideas on medium and then link back to the original blog and just uh, you know inside the reader to go back to uh, to the to your website uh, to read the whole blog so that this way you do you do it all you, you know you can you can constantly you, you post something on your social media platform as well as regularly update your blog mm. and for these blog posts could you repurpose like let's say podcasts or video to actually help with that as well is it, it can you make blog posts more, more a little bit more multifaceted with other content as well to make maybe make them more long tail as well yeah i think content repurposing um is gaining um you know the idea of content repurposing repurposing is gaining popularity and you know um, it's about time because i hear uh, and i uh, when people or when companies reach out to me to create content i hear brands complain about creating so much content and you know the need for uh, content for different platforms with limited resources but you know if uh, you spend um, it, just uh, um, if you look at an example you spend about two or four you know a week maybe um, writing a blog that's filled with unique ideas and original research and expert interviews and then you you talk to um uh, subject matter expertise um, experts or you know to create a proper uh, research field and uh, a blog post and now you can repurpose this blog post into an email newsletter 
at least five to six social media posts, even a Twitter thread, and then you can use the expert interviews and turn them into a case study. You can also convert it into a gated asset like a white paper or an ebook. So with a really well done long form blog, you have so many options when it comes to repurposing it. And it's, I think, in my opinion, it's the same case with uh, podcasts and videos because you spend all the time creating that video and now you have, um, you know, original and uh, uh, content that you can just try to blog on it. And in my um, one tip that I'll give is that, you know, make sure to add some more content uh, when you're repurposing your video to a blog post, make sure that you add some more content that's not discussed in the video so that you can, you know, um, uh, your, your blog post content is more unique. So uh, people will be more compelled to, you know, click on that blog and read more. And then you can create social media snippets from the video. You can um, uh, uh, you can add quotes from the video uh, to your social media. You can share expert insights uh, with your social media followers. Um, so yeah, content repurposing is super fun because it gives you so much space to be creative, so much space to experiment a lot. Um, and yeah, and you and it also helps you with uh, it all, all helps you and the company um, with you know uh, limited resources and the need for so much content for so many different platforms. Got. And then, I mean, with that, do we see more blog posts becoming, I don't know, maybe a little bit more longer? Are we going to see a little bit more shorter? Are we going to see like differentiations and then on blog posts? Because I mean, there's long form, but should we see also short form kind of like the videos that we're seeing with short form and long form? Should we see like that type of dynamic with blog posts or should all blog posts just be very long tail, very long form type of written content. So I've seen it work both ways and I've seen it deliver results both ways. So for a company that I currently write content for direct link, uh, they, um, they focus on both type of content. Normally they, uh, because they're very um, clear uh, in their goal of creating value. So they say if a, if a blog post, you know, is uh, suppose, um, okay, so one of the examples of their blog post is direct marketing, um, uh, digital marketing is plain in 500 words or less. So that blog post literally just is 500 words um, blog post. And that's like a short form content. And I've seen that work and I've seen that, um, uh, you know, create, a, a, because uh, their goal is, to create content to educate new marketers or small business owners who are marketing for their own businesses and that particular blog that i'm discussing uh which is 500 words um uh, and, and an example of a short form content is just um does the job uh, and you know um so i i just think it totally depends on what your end goal uh is for that content piece all right and how do you get started with like figuring out how to write blog posts? Because I think the hardest part is like, oh yeah, we want to write blogs, but what do I write about? Do you have any tips or strategies, or maybe even AI writers or anything like that that helps you with creating these ideas? Because I feel like that part is where a lot of people stop because they're like, I don't know what to write now. I think it totally depends on whether you're writing for your personal blog or whether you're writing for a company blog. So uh, if you're writing for a company, um, obviously you stick to uh, what your audience is searching for and what uh, your actually what, what your topic is and what you want to rank for uh, and stuff like that. And when it's uh, your personal blog, um, so uh, so I don't have a personal blog uh, per se, but I do have a Medium account that I sometimes, not regularly, but sometimes post on. And uh, most of the content on it is based um, around mental health and mental health and wellness, because that is something that I 
I am I'm interested in, I'm passionate about, and most importantly, that is something that I want, uh, you know, th that industry, I want more clients in. So I feel like with your personal blog, you can, uh, you, you have a, as and as a freelance writer with a, with your personal blog, you have a really good um, space to create your portfolio and to showcase your um, you know uh, skills as a writer. Gotcha. And then moving on to email newsletters, that's also been around for quite a while. So how important is it for brands or even freelancers to build that list? Because I mean, we've all talked, we've all heard like be on TikTok, be on all this, and we kind of forget about emails, even though. If, feels like it's still extremely important. So how important is it for people to build that list? Yeah, I think when you're starting out, um, especially as a business, I think email is one of the most important things you uh, have to focus on. I think it does vary a little bit for freelancers, but um, uh, but for brands, email is one of the most important mediums through which they can connect with their customers in a more creative and more personalized way. And, um, if, uh, you know, from company updates and promotional emails to newsletters, uh, brands can use emails for literally every kind of communication with their customers. And um, and then obviously email marketing helps you get, uh, helps uh, your, uh, your audience get back to your website or landing page or um, uh, increase your signups or your demo calls or whatever your, uh, you know, end, uh, end goal is with that particular email. Um, and I, again, like we discussed before, um, uh, with social media or with, with, like you mentioned, with TikTok, um, you're creating content on rented land. And you don't have a say in how these platforms uh, work and how your brand shows up in your audience's feed. You know, with just uh, just a very recent example with Instagram and you know the numerous changes they have been doing to their platform and the outrage uh, uh, from the audience and resulting in because of the decreased reach and engagement. Um, so. I think with an email list, you have the creative control of how your con content looks like, how your content ends up in your audience's inbox, and um, what to add, what to remove, how um, you know the user experience uh, type content. So um, again, I think it's very important for as a brand. I think it's very important for you to have a dedicated email list so you can um, you know communicate with your audience the way you want to. Gotcha. And then, I mean, what type of content? is the most engaging for newsletter? Is it basically all written form? Is it a mixture of video, written form, and maybe audio? Like, how do you get the most engagement out of your newsletter? Oh, I think it depends on uh, your audience. You know, this is such a boring answer because, uh, uh, but everything in marketing does, uh, uh, you know, it depends on uh, your audience because I have seen uh, newsletters that work uh, that are extremely long form, uh, like thousand words newsletters. And then I've seen newsletters um, with, and they just send, um, you know, a couple of images and a couple of social media post links and, um, and those are very popular as well. So I think it, uh, at the end of the day, it depends on um, creating the content that your audience actually wants to read and what they've signed up for. So for example, if they have subscribed to a newsletter about marketing insights, and you're sharing everything but original marketing insights, I think that your newsletter is going to be in trouble. So I also think that, um, okay, in my personal opinion, I think newsletters, the best newsletters are short and sweet because I don't like to, you know, I don't, I don't like to read long newsletters and um, because I just stop paying attention uh, in the middle of it. But I also think that, um, some of the best newsletters are longer, long form newsletters. I uh, this is a shout out to Anne Hanley's newsletter, and that um, 
that's a long newsletter that I but but I do read it to the end because it's interesting. It's full of value, um, valuable content, and it's full uh, filled with actionable insights. Um, Another great thing I think that you can do with your newsletters is to divide it into uh, several sections. So uh, another shout out is uh, Amanda Natividad has a great newsletter, The Menu. And it's divided in sections and those sections appear in every newsletters, uh, every every edition of the newsletter. And I um, you know, look forward to the, those sections. Um, some of them, she has a section for a recipe yes, uh, and she has other sections as well. So I look forward to those as well. So I think with sections, you can not only divide and, you know, create more digestible content in each section, but you can also um, add some more fun to your newsletter as well. Nice. So, I mean, is there any types of stats you should look for when you're doing, when you're trying to test out maybe long and short, should you be looking more at the retention or how long people stay on there? Like what type of stats should you be looking at to make sure you're doing the most, I guess, optimal newsletter for your audience? Yeah, I think it depends. Um, I think you, you can uh, check out the stats for um, uh, the links that you add in your newsletter, because uh, if the, you know, if people are just scrolling by and they're not even re reading, so of course they're not going to be opening those links then. Um, uh, and I also think that you can also ask for, you know, you can also ask for engagement at the end. So uh, a direct link does another, does a great uh, thing where they add a quiz to every newsletter and then they add, uh, they do add the answer at the end, but you can, um, you know, do some fun things like, uh, um, you know, you'll get the answer in the next um, edition or something like that. Um, and then see if people are actually reading that section or if people are actually scrolling by to read till the end. Um, yeah, I think those are what come to mind right now. Got you. And then even more the topic of titles, because titles are important for open rates. Is there any type of like strategy for getting the highest open rate you can? Because that's the, that's the most important to get them to actually read your newsletter is to look at, oh, I, maybe I should read this. So do you have any tips or tricks to actually get the best outcome for that? Uh, okay, so uh, um, Kaylee Moore does a, an interesting work with her subject lines. And uh, what she does is, you know, just uh, inspire curiosity. And I remember, I think, um, one of the uh, uh, sub one of the newsletter uh, subject line that I received was something around, I don't exactly remember, but something around, uh, would you like to work with me or would you like a collaboration or something like that? So I immediately clicked on the email and opened it. And um, not that I don't open her newsletters because they're that good, but that particular subject line, it, it immediately increased my uh, curiosity. And I was like, um, is this like uh, an opportunity to work together or what is it? What, what's, what, what's the email about? So I think um, if you can, with, with those limited amount of words, if you can, you know, in, uh, increase the curiosity and actually, uh, you know, make, your audience interested in what you have to say um but keeping it relevant and uh, and keeping it um you know not spammy so i think um yeah i think uh, that's a great uh, formula to write a good subject line so the curiosity mystery factor is what will help for the most part you i mean i don't think you can do it all the time but figuring out ways to yeah bring the curiosity into your titles. Yeah, I think sometimes it's important to just, uh, you know, um, 
you, you can also just stick to uh, uh, making it as simple as possible. I remember seeing this on um, uh, Twitter or maybe in one of the newsletters that I subscribe to that, you know, uh, one of the ways you can just um, increase your subject line is by just letting them know what to expect in the newsletter instead of being um, sassy or, you know, instead of being very witty, you can just let them know uh, with a very simple explanation of what to uh, expect in the newsletter. and um, uh, and that way they will open it because they have obviously subscribed to your newsletter because they want to hear from you. So, you know, just keep it simple, just keep it straightforward and just let them know what the newsletter is all about. All right. And do you think there will be anything that will replace blog posts or newsletters in the future? Or do you think that we've got the perfect medium with these two? Like there's nothing else that can actually really truly replace them? That's a tricky question because I do think that there can be um, and there will be other platforms, you know, that offer a more uh, different and unique experience. But at the same time, I think that nothing can replace email newsletters or blog posts, you know, because the, pers the personalization and creativity you get from email newsletters is something you just can't get from social media or other platforms. Uh, even when comparing, um, you know, um, uh, your, your an email newsletter to a Twitter or, a, um, or TikTok, I just don't think that the content you get from an email newsletter and the, you know, direct communication a brand can have with your audience, um, which which kind of personalized based on that audience behavior, um, I don't think you can get from other platforms. And similarly, um, in my experience so far, I've written long form content for companies and people are hungry for good, unique and value packed long form content. And they want to read blog and they will read long form content. It's not like they won't read it or they will just skim past it. If it's um, actionable, if it answers all of their questions on a topic and if it's, um, uh, you know, if it has value, valuable uh, insights rather than just fluff, um, people will read uh, long form blogs. And I don't think that it's, you know, that kind of content or that kind of platform is easily replaceable. Nice. And then hot take for you. What is your pet peeves in newsletters? What do you, do you hate when you look at the newsletter and you're like, I just don't like this. Why are you doing this to me? What, what's your pet peeves? Okay. So I, um, I'm like, uh, notorious for unsubscribing to newsletters very easily because, uh, uh, yeah, because I get annoyed, uh, if, if they, so I absolutely hate newsletters that are blogs after blogs of text. And if you don't have, um, uh, you know, a good, if you don't provide me a good user experience and if you don't have a good email um, newsletter design, I just, I can't read them and I just get diverted easily. So I'll just unsubscribe because there's no point in just, uh, I don't appreciate anything that, um, you know, results in me not having inbox zero. So I just unsubscribe very easily. So, and I also hate when newsletters don't have anything unique. And I've, I have subscribed to, in the past, I've subscribed to newsletters that will just give me the most generic uh, information like content is king or be more human in your marketing and will just uh, be a repurpose of some other blog. And that is that is something that I just, it, it's, it's annoying and it's uh, you don't want to waste your time reading the same stuff. So if, any, if a newsletter, uh, you know, uh, is stating something that's very obvious without giving me any actionable tips on how to do that, I'm just going to hit that unsubscribe button. Uh, because I get my daily dose of that type of thought leadership from Twitter already. So I don't want that uh, in my inbox. Gotcha. So for you all out there, don't be boring or unoriginal. Yeah, absolutely. Don't be boring or unoriginal. That's fair. And then fun question for you. Yeah. 
what blog posts did you wish you would have written? Oh, so that's uh, interesting because I don't have a one specific blog post, but uh, since I love to write for mental health companies and I haven't had a chance to do so a lot. So anything written on comms or Headspace's blog that I, I, I really wish I'd written that um, uh, because I really want to transition towards mental health um, industry more. Um, and that is something that I'm deeply passionate about. So this is also a shout out to any other, any mental health company that is looking for your next freelance writer. You can just shoot me a DM. All right. Well, that leads into the next question. Where can people find you online? Yeah. So I am most active on Twitter and my handle is at content by Momino. And on uh, LinkedIn, they can just find me. They can type in my name. Um, you know, you, you can just go to my website, uh, momenaasif.card.co. Uh, and then there are all, all of the links to my socials are on there and I would love to connect with all of you. All right. Any final thoughts for listeners? Um, yeah, be kind and give yourself some grace. It's okay. Things are tough. Times are tough and it's okay to, uh, you know, slow down a little bit. All right. Thank you, Momina, for joining PR360 and sharing your knowledge on blog posts and email newsletters. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on all your favorite podcasting apps. Leave a five-star review if you liked this podcast. If not, let us know how we can do better for you. But join us next week as we talk about or we talk with a great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Understand your audience with the email newsletter and get to writing those blog posts and see you next week. Later.